welcome everyone back to the Commander Clash podcast, episode 81. And today, we're going over our top picks from Phyrexia, All Will Be One. So join with me is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. Hello. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, we have Count Krim, the Asian <laughs> Avenger with a, with a cape. What's going on? <laughs> Oh, dude, it, it's not Dracula. Come on now. It's Doctor Strange. Also, oh, it's, it's, a it's a It's a Snuggie, so it works out perfectly. Like, I get to just walk around and be warm in my in my little Doctor Strange cloak. So, it's nice. All right. And then we have Budget Commander Tomer. How are you doing? Yo, I am excited to talk about cards. All right. And then uh, myself, Richard the Codfather. Uh, to round out the crew. So today, we have Phyrexia all as one cards. We have chosen 12 cards to talk about. Uh, not necessarily the most powerful cards, although the cards here are very powerful. Uh, just kind of cards we are excited about to play uh, in Commander on the upcoming set. And we've included cards from the main set, from the supplemental products, from the set boosters. So basically everything Phyrexian related. Uh, so let's kick things off. Oh, before we kick things off, remember, if you enjoy our show, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube, uh, we're everywhere. So feel free to subscribe and keep up with the latest episodes. So away we go, Seth. Wait, 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 wait. Have... But what about, what wait, about if whoop. we want to support financially? How do we do that, Richard? <laughs> Give me oh. your monies. Give me yeah, your monies. Just Go to mtggoldfishmerch.com and clear out Richard's garage. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there still. Uh, it survived <laughs> flooding, so we're good. We're good. It'll be dry. <laughs> uh, so kicking things off, the the kind of namesake character of the set, I guess. Uh, Seth, who, who, what have you brought as the first card to talk about? I mean, pretty obvious choice. Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, uh, our new Panharmonicon. It's a, it's a five band of four seven Phyrexian Praetor legendary creature. It is Vigilance, and it's a Panharmonicon for you. If a permanent entering the battlefield triggers an ability, you get to trigger an additional time, and it's a Torpor Orb for your opponent's permanents entering the battlefield. Don't cause your opponent's permanents to trigger, essentially. So all of your ETB stuff is doubled up. All of your opponent's ETB stuff doesn't happen. So for me, I mean, I'm excited about this because it's another Panharmonicon. Panharmonicon, Yarok are like my favorite cards. I love doubling things up. And this is the best Panharmonicon for multiple reasons. Like its body's really good for one thing. A 4-7 actually uh, gums up the ground really, really well. And then its Torpor ability is kind of insane to the point where this is a card that, uh, <laughs> that Sheldon from the RC infamously like told wizards not to print because it was going to be so miserable. Um, the, the card shuts down a lot. If you just look at the most played creatures in commander, there's a lot of sun Titans and eternal witnesses in Baleful Strixes, in Dockside Extortionists that are based on ETB triggers. Their power is almost exclusively based on ETB triggers, and that doesn't even include, like, Landfall. It shuts that down. Landfall's a permanent entering the battlefield under your opponent's control. Uh, so Elish Norn, I think it's sweet as a commander, although being mono-white does limit its power as a commander. Uh, you can still build a sweet deck, but it's kind of, I think, as a commander, it reminds me a little bit of Preston the Vanisher or some other mono-white blink-style commander, where I think it's roughly on that tier. But in the 99, you can gem this in any Panharmonicon-style deck or 
arguably even just any white deck, because uh, I know, Richard, you're a big believer in this. A lot of the best white cards are spirited companions, and these cheap creatures that, like, ETB draw a card, that's how you generate your card advantage. LS Jorn just supercharges all that stuff while also really hosing your opponent. So I think this card is really good. I'm not in the it's so busted we can't print it camp, but I do think it not only is my favorite card from the set, but one of the most powerful commander cards from the set. I wasn't here for the podcast where you guys talked about Elish North, but I'm going to take my uh, 30 seconds here and uh, agree with Sheldon. Uh, Sheldon is a spirited companion player, apparently. Like, <laughs> this card is so good, and it, it does the number one thing that we're not allowed to do in Commander, which is perpetually stop all your stuff forever. Uh, like, a board wipe is fine. But something that just continually board wipes every turn is not fine, right? Like something that wipes the graveyard is this fine, is but something that locks out the graveyard <laughs> is not fine, right? And this is like a hush bringer that just sits there and generates you so much value so you feel inclined to play it while hosing everyone else. And is it like obscenely broken? No. Is it super obnoxious and annoying? Yes, right? It's like Armageddon, right? Is, is, is Armageddon OP? No. Is it very... Bad to play against? Yes. <laughs> right? You're so, the one who plays it all the time, Richard. I play it <laughs> yeah, for no, the no. memes, but I wouldn't okay. play it like for reels against like random <laughs> people, right? But so I don't or think would you, know, you? <laughs> it's it's now here. Is it ban worthy? No. But should wizards have printed it? I don't think so, right? Like wizards can print a two mana stacks piece anytime they want. Should they? Probably not. And I feel this was like you know, in that. So, yes, Seth is excited to play against it. I am very excited not to play against Seth, right? Because every game he's going to play this thing, and I'm like, oh, I've grown, right? Got to get, you got to deal with it, got to hold up the removal, got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think everyone will be playing this card, so. Good, man. Good. So, so, Give into so your control I, plan. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe. I'll just play maybe one, one just tokens to... with flying and call it a day. We don't need, we don't need abilities. Will this, will this actually convince you to, to, to run Swords of Postures then? Trade no, it the... will convince me yeah. to kill Seth, like, <laughs> super fast, right? right. Like, we use player removal, right? Okay. I, I don't think this card's gonna be as heavily played as you think. Like, yeah, I really, really don't. In, in not you could play in any deck and it would be fine. Maybe it'd be correct, but it's also $65 for the cheapest printing oh, okay, right now. Okay. We've seen in the past, like Jeweled Lotus is a card that I think essentially every deck would be more powerful if they played or Mana Crypt is maybe the best example. Every deck should play a Mana Crypt, but those cards don't see that much play just because the price is so high. So I think that the fact that this is a mythic and super expensive will keep it in line, and the fact that people are already grumbling about it will keep some people from playing it just Get because they don't want to be like the us. bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to. We already spent like thirty minutes talking about Alishnorn before, so I don't want to like beat the dead horse. But I'm still just like gobsmacked that people would like. It's certain certain people might say like Spirit Companion is like a number one mono white card. Or whatever, but I just, I, it's just not a reality for me. Like, I, I personally will not be putting Elish Norn in most of my decks. I would consider it maybe for like my Aura Enchantress deck, but that's it. <laughs> Basically, I don't, I don't have a Brago deck. I don't have a, a Preston deck. I, it's not my style of play and I want to run it there. Most of my white decks, I just don't want it. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't think it's going to be that popular, honestly. It's going to be very popular. It's a very powerful card. It's one of the strongest cards from the, the set, but I just don't think it's like a, a staple, like an auto-include. 
did you did you like yeah like are you not playing it because you like again just because you think it's not needed in your deck or are you not playing it because people will look at it weird because you because you know people are upset about the card oh i just like, i don't just think don't it's think like it. that good in most of my like i ha- i just made an ishin deck am i gonna put this in ishin no like that's i feel like I mean, if I- you're not if you're not getting value out of it's panharmonicon yeah. mode like Tarp Orb's not a staple. Like, I don't think being a, a five minute four seven is a nice bonus, but I don't think that's enough that it's like, wow, I gotta put that in my deck. Look at that, you know, look at that body. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like Tarp Orb like, would see more play if it was, uh, you don't you need know, to like build around Bringer. Sun Titan, but most decks can get value out of Sun Titan, right? Sun Titan so does something by itself. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a four seven vigilance panharmonicon plus torpor orb, right? Yeah, but if something. I put down Elish Norn, <laughs> the only thing it does is it potentially shuts down my opponents depending on what cards they run. But like, I'm I'm not even running Janet's Magistrate, and Janet's Magistrate 100 percent shuts down everybody's deck because everybody runs a commander and usually builds around their commander. I don't even run that because like 99 percent of the time, a, a moral it just, gray area thing. Or no, yeah, it just it just unites the table against area, me. Right? It's just it's just yeah, that I, it I, usually it usually lowers my EV. I find if I run Draneth Magistrate, so yes. I'm not gonna run this. I, just I'm, for in, a I'm in a, a f- full agreement with Tomer. By the way, like I, I I don't I think it's not even a moral gray area thing. I think Draneth Magistrate just isn't that good. <laughs> I think it's good in CDH. Then, oh, CDH, it's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> it's absurd. But like casual, it's just okay. Like it's being casual, sure. if I'm not, and, if I'm trying to go for like a twelve turn game, it's like no, you're gonna actually just kill me. <laughs> like you have the time. And Elish Norn, I okay. El- Elish Norn is your commander. Obviously, is gonna be annoying, right? Uh, like because then you're gonna just see it every time. As it, well, actually, I mean, I don't know how many times your opponent can pay for Elish Norn. Let let's say three times it dies. I think they're done, right? Like I think it is a lot of mana. Yeah, you you can double all your catch-up ramp. (laughs) (laughs) You you could you you could try. Yes, I I don't know. I mean, like this card is just good. Like it is. It's a it's a powerful card, but it is. It it doesn't. I just don't feel like it's anything different than like. Oh, would I play Panharmonicon in my deck? No. So it's good. Uh, It's a little costly to hate out all my opponents' ETBs because. It, again, it truly is one of those things where you have to take advantage of that e- e- doubling of the ETBs because it as a, if you're trying to stack someone out, it costs a lot. You want to get underneath all the nonsense, but not not play it after the nonsense has happened. All right, so we'll we'll see where Elish Norn shakes up. Elish Norn is sitting around like fifty dollars currently. So while it may not be super popular, I know people are buying. Yeah, those are standard like modern more. players. Those are modern players, Richard. Uh, and standard players. Yes. Yeah. Is there actually a modern deck for this? You're, you're, that, like no, right? No, no. <laughs> okay, all right, whatever you want to force. This card's busted. Think... You y'all wait. Y'all wait. This card's busted. Modern. Move over, Ogneth. We've got a new. The only Elish Norn I'm getting is the Junji Ito one, and that's it. That's the one I want, and I refuse. If I open it, I'm throwing it away. Okay, I'm not throwing it away, but I, but I am gonna, but I am gonna go and get it. <laughs> like, all right. Uh, next up, so we are like 30 days into 2023. It's uh, currently end of January. This will be February. This podcast goes up. Uh, I'm calling my next card. The most broken card of 2023. Ooh. I'm calling it right here. Yo. Mirren Safehouse. Three mana artifact. It's a rare. As long as Mirren Safehouse is on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all lands. 
in all in graveyards. All the this most broken busted. commander card of 2023 right here. I will put really? it in every single non-green deck. Really? Wait, explain this Why to me, all? Richard. Why, okay. What makes this card? So the, are the, you the floor of this, comboing? The floor of this is a three mana's nature's lore. Sure, right? yeah, because so there's okay. a fetch land. It's, if there's a fetch land in the graveyard, this is three mana ramp in blue, black, and red. An unheard of card, right? And we're not even talking about cases where you somehow like snag a cradle or some nonsense like that, right? Just a three mana colorless fetch land is one of the best cards that has been printed to date because those colors cannot ramp and this is real ramp. Uh, so I think this is actually insane absolutely insane and you're not even like trying to copy like city of traders or ancient tombs or anything like that just a straight up fetch land okay but what about if someone blows up you know uh like your your coffers or something that right like you can strip mine of coffers and then use it too right but just 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 the floor of a fetch land is good enough for me and i think grix's colors will happily pay three mana for a nature's lore but I, it's just like a, it's I, just I so you can pay three mana for Commander Sphere. Here. No, it's... But the but Commander Sphere gets blown up, you see? Like, imagine okay. your Arcane Signet was indestructible, hexproof, cannot be sacrificed, cannot be exiled. Like, no one can touch lands. Uh, so it is actually like a real, honest, good land and not a mana rock. Hmm. I think there's a little more risk than you're giving it credit for. Okay, with the, yes, like, yes. You can, may not if have you're a playing land. mono blue, <laughs> right? you might not have like the right color of fetch land to be able to get an island out of your deck or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a little. Well, you a have your own fetch there. lands, right? So you your your deck has fetch lands plus your okay. opponent's fetch lands, right? So so you, mono you have okay. some Let's, some leeway there. Let me let me ask you this then, Roger. There's a card called Manascape Refractor, which is the same card, except it's for lands on the battlefield that sees playing zero percent of decks. Why is that not like a staple who, of my blue deck since I can play a fetch land and fetch, then crack this to you had, you had to hold the fetch land the entire time, right? <laughs> Waiting for this thing, which is okay. which is kind of which is kind of hard, right? Hmm. I I Interesting. mean you you did sell me that it's a it's it's kind of like kind of like I, you guys talked about Mirror Maid. I got to watch that because I edited that video, and I, I like that idea of like okay these these are colors that don't generally get to ramp land ramp. So having interesting ways of of ramping at three mana is still acceptable. Um, so I can see like yeah the three mana fetch land is kind of kind of neat for for non green decks. There and obviously there's better applications to it outside of that, but I just I don't think it's like gonna be the best card of the year. <laughs> so like, that is definitely if you look at colorless yeah. ramp options, you Sweet. have uh, Wayfarer's Bobble, you have the Swords, right? Sort of the Animus, Hearth and Home, and the new Sword, which we're gonna talk about. You have Solemn, then Signets, you have like Heart, Myriad Landscape, right? And then everything yeah. else is a mana rock, a mana dork, a treasure. Or like some impulse mana, right? Like there's very few ways for Grixis decks or, you know, anything that shares mm-hmm. Grixis colors to get actual durable lands. So I believe you should be buying all of these and these should be going into all of your decks. Uh, hmm. Maybe even white. I don't know. So green, no. Green, you just play the real OP card, Nature's Lore, right? And then white, Catch Up Ramp, probably better because it's two mana. Uh, yeah. But definitely Grixis has nothing going for it. 
So whoa, you, you take whoa, this. Dude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> calm down. Ramp-wise, ramp-wise, this will get calm you down. to your fourth land, Krim. You can hit four land drops with this card. I, I did I, miss I mean, the hop You don't picks. have to do much. You, you don't this, have to convince me too much. I think this card is really good. I don't know if it's the best card that I'm coming out of this like for the whole year, oh, but is. like it is really good. And uh, I, I also looked at this, but more so in a 60-card lens. I guess, like, I mean, like, something like this, I think in, like, Pioneer, it just gets Nykthos abilities, right? Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely, like, silly. I already hate that card enough there. But if I started thinking about it in 100 cards, okay, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down here. I'm smelling what you're cooking. All right, this is, this is good. This is good. I, I don't know if it's the best card, but I think it's good. Is, is strip mine back on the menu, Seth? I strip uh, mine. Literally, a stone well, rain. Someone's got a stone rain. I mean, is now strip back mine. His strip mine has always been on my menu. So I, I mean, I do think this card's very good, and that's not even like we're talking about the floor a lot. The ceiling is also really high. The floor is a three mana mana rock. I guess you can argue it's a, a three mana fetch land, but probably a three mana mana rock. Uh, worst case, the ceiling is there's some infinite combos like Griffin Canyon Mutavault gives you an infinitely big creature, which is kind of cool. Plus you got this strip mine, your cabal coffers, your Gaia's cradle, your Nykthos, like anything like that. There's some very, very strong lands. Also kind of cute with uh, Lotus Field. Lotus Field's a good way to get yeah. lands in your graveyard, so you can have some synergies there. Or if you get Lotus Field in your graveyard or is this the card that makes city of traders playable richard we had a debate about <laughs> that a couple of episodes ago like build your own worn power stone uh, it comes this is a worn power stone you just play worn power stone this is what you wanted to do it's untapped there's there's a very vocal crowd in our comment section that's like very hardcore cdh and doesn't understand casual and they're like why are you rating city of traders so low it's so good you can immediately <laughs> win t turn one with blah 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 thasis or thorkel them no <laughs> i don't, I don't know what casual commander game is doing that what's going on you, you haven't convinced me it's the best card of the year but you have convinced me to put index like i, I think i was a little too low on this card i'd try it out for sure i'd definitely try it out in certain decks all right, Tomer, what do you have for us? All right, I've got a finisher for equipment decks that I'm very excited for. I, I saw Richard had it as his fourth card, and I just, like, sniped it. I was like, no, I want to talk about it. I'm excited for this. This is Gold Warden's Gambit. It's an eight-mana red sorcery, uh, six and double red, but it has affinity for equipment, so it costs one less to cast for each equipment you control. So it can cost as little as double red mana. In an equipment deck, that's probably where you're going to be casting it most of the time for two mana instead of eight. Um, and it says create five 2-2 red rebel creature tokens. They gain haste until end of turn. For each of those tokens, you may attach an equipment you control to it. So for basically this... On, on an ideal end, you're paying two red mana to get five tokens. They have haste, and you can put your equipments onto those uh, tokens immediately and immediately swing. This is a great way for equipment decks to recover from a creature board wipe. If somebody's wiping the board of your creatures and your equipments are sticking around, it's still it's better than losing everything uh, all at once, obviously, but you still have to then play creatures, and then you have to pay the equip cost to equip them on them, and then you have to hope they have haste, and then you, it still takes it still takes some time to recover from a board wipe. This, however, if your creatures get board wiped or whatever, you get to just equip all your stuff for free. You immediately have attackers. You can immediately start swinging with a bunch of them, and that is really exciting to me. It's a great way to bounce back immediately after after a board wipe, and really. It, 
either take out everybody uh, with your your army of two twos, which is it's ten damage on the board at the very minimum, ten damage haste. Uh, but I thought, but since you're equipping stuff, uh, you're going to be doing much more than ten damage, and you're going to get all those combat triggers immediately. I'm really excited for this. I have an equipment deck, a Kiri Cauldra, and this is like exactly what I wanted to do um, in the deck as a top end. I mean, this hmm. looks pretty nah. fun. I, I, to be honest <laughs> with you, I, it looks fun. Is, it reminds, is good? Uh, it reminds me of Reckless Crew, which was what, a Keldheim card, where it's like four mana, you make X to one dwarf berserkers, where X is the number of vehicles and equipment you control, and then you get to equip them. Although it doesn't give those creatures haste. So I think the haste is a pretty nice upside. And I guess like eight mana for five two twos. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Like, uh, like even if you have zero equipment, it's it's kind of okay. Like, how cheap are you imagining getting this in an equipment deck? I'm tra- that's what I'm trying to envision. Like, how many equipment do you normally have on the battlefield? Is it three? Are we casting this for five mana? Maybe I'm, four I'm mana? Heavy on equipment. Like, I usually have like five on the battlefield at any given time. I also get four wipes, <laughs> so, and then I'm sad. So typically, if you have five like <laughs> real equipment, you've won the game. But if you have five rocks from Togo. Oh, if you're Togoing. Oh, oh, you need no. the health. You need the oh, health, right? So, uh, what's, what's the... Tom got us with the rocks last commander class. The, the bloodthirsty axe or whatever, the one that clones yeah, itself. Yeah, bloodthirsty like, axe. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so rocked our socks last game. Uh, Togo rocks, those kind of things. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of like Boros cards that lets you draw a card for each equipped creature or when an equipped creature deals damage. So mm-hmm. you need to play some like mediocre equipment <laughs> because if you have like say five swords or like whatever like you're you're winning already right like if you have like you know a colossus hammer or something like you're probably winning so you need like kind of janky equipment so I really like artifact uh, equipment tokens or like cloning decks or something like that play mm-hmm. the morning star thing that makes it goblins. Things. Yeah, I okay. I think it's going to shine the most in the the go wide equipment deck. Obviously, yeah. like I think yeah. if you look at equipment decks, they're kind of like go tall or go wide. You have like Wylith is very like Voltroni, put everything on me. But then you got like New Jorkadine, Akiri Fearless Voyager. These are uh, the night ones or Gwyn. Like these are ones that reward you for having a lot of creatures with equipment on them. So I think that's where this is gonna uh, this is gonna shine the most. Yeah, like, my deck Akiri like that, deck I would says jam it. it draws a card for each equipped creature that's attacking. An opponent I control. So if I have three opponents, I can draw up to three cards. So if yep. Akira is on the battlefield and you cast Gold Warden's Gambit and you have three equipment, then you're immediately drawing three cards as you're swinging and stuff. So it's it's nice. I like it. I like it too. It's They're very rebels, narrow. But... In case you have a red rebel deck, <laughs> those rebels synergies. <laughs> is there was there even right. like a rebel leader? There's I guess the Phoenix is kind of a rebel leader, very tangently, but not really. One day. Jorkadine, that's a that's a human rebel. Sure. What do you have for us, Krim? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, not not surprising at all. Uh, I I love this card since it's been spoiled. It's the Eternal Wanderer. Um, this card just kind of it has everything I want on a planeswalker, and I think as I I sit down and think about it, like it it <coughs> plays a lot better with like uh any of my creature decks and whatnot that also want a planeswalker because you're able to blink your own stuff. Uh, you can obviously can make you, a can body. Can you read the book of text? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. For the, oh, I the forgot, listeners yeah. at home. For the listeners, it's no, it has a pass. It's six mana, four white-white. No more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. 
Uh, then plus one, exile up to one target artifact or creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the, that player's next end step. Then a zero, create a 2-2 samurai token with double strike. And then minus four for each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control chosen, uh, not chosen this way. So, again, the passive makes it nice. They, if they, they can't go around you, because there's only one thing that can go at the Eternal Wanderer. Unless, of course, it's like a massive Akiri or something like that. Then that's fine. Uh, like, that, that's big sad. Uh, but then you have, you have to, like, blink your own stuff, right? Because the passive makes it so things can't go wide. You get to then blink your artifacts, your creatures, and whatnot. Or maybe your opponents uh, to see if you can, like, make some stuff fall off of them if you'd like. Uh, then you get to just make a double-striking uh, samurai token, which is actually going to probably be relevant in most games. Uh, and then the minus four, which is a really nice sweeper because you are choosing... Uh, the the creature, usually your opponent's worst creature, and then your your best creature, and then everything else gets sacrificed. So, I just love this as a planeswalker. This feels like a six mana planeswalker in commander. Like it just does everything I wanted to do. It's just nice. The modes don't seem the same. The modes, I think one of the things like there's cookie cutter planeswalkers, but all three of the modes here just feel drastically different than the other and it's like it doesn't feel like it's just like oh kill a thing draw a card right it, it, it's just actually three different things attached to a planeswalker so i really like that i really and, like and this card too i mean i i said i think this card might actually be better than elish norn and i'm still like kind of standing by the idea that this card's really good in commander for me um Definitely playing this in, like, my Preston Blink deck, any sort of Panharmonicon deck. The way I'm thinking of this is it's a not-great Wrath that is also a pretty powerful Blink effect, like uh, a Thassa or whatever Blink something each turn. Like, I get that flexibility. So for mm-hmm. me, this is going in my Wrath slot, uh, is, a, like, slightly watered-down Wrath, but then I get all this extra upside. I also think I would just jam it in almost any mono white deck based on that same Elish Norn thinking of like, I'm built around spirited companions, I'm built around sun titans, I'm built around these cheap ETB creatures, being able to reuse them, really powerful, and because of the static ability, I think this is going to stick around more than most uh, planeswalkers. Most planeswalkers in commander, you play them, you got three opponents, they swarm them and kill them, with only one creature being able to attack, that becomes much more difficult. All you need is one good creature on defense, and you should be able to keep your eternal wanderer around for a few turns like a four yeah. seven vigilance that t- doubles triggers <laughs> happens it to come curves. at five mana it That's does curve nicely elish norn into eternal wander yeah i'm still not <laughs> on board on every single white deck is a blink deck that runs spirited companion however i run it's Elspe- a wrath this is a wrath yeah, over no. it's just a six mana wrath i am always on board with planeswalkers that have an immediate important board impacts the turn you cast them like i still play elspeth sun's champion um in 2023 like a decade after it's been printed and it's really it's a it follows a same similar pattern it's a six mana uh mono white planeswalker that it can enter the battlefield and wrap the board or it can make creatures or it can do other stuff um so i think a wanderer follows that very well i think it's better actually um, then Sun Champion is different decks, but it's better, I think, overall in the decks I want it to be. Blink, uh, not going wide, uh, being two big ones. Um, and yeah, all those abilities are very relevant, very powerful, and it's very flexible. I think this card's really good. I don't think it takes your Wrath slot, though. 
Unlike Tomorrow, I thought really? about this. So I used to play Elish Nord in like, oh not Elish Nord, uh, Elspeth's Sun's Elspeth. Champion in every deck because you use it as a, as a Wrath, right? And then it's a win con. But maybe in the last three, four years, like it's been power crept. We have so many three, four mana Wraths that deal with everything. We have all the six mana modal Wraths, like Farewell, Austere Command. And then you just have like Ondu Inversion, like at the top end and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's no room to put the Elspeth. So you you actually kind of need like really good synergy with the pluses, right? It's no longer yeah. like just a Wrath with some upside. You actually need to use the plus. Um, Wander, I don't know. I don't know if the Blink is enough to make me play a six mana Wrath like this. Uh, especially if you're like white weenie, like your one creature surviving is not going to stack up against everyone else's creature. So I think it's more dependent, uh, but it's still a very strong planeswalker. And that passive is what makes it Insanely strong. If you Elish Norn and Wanderer, like probably nothing is killing this. If you have no. a Maze of It or something to back it up, like really nothing is killing this, right? Uh-huh. So you just need one good, strong blocker, and then your Wanderer is safe. Um, Fog Bank, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like what else can we do? Yes, right? blocking for days. I mean, plus <laughs> you got to think too. Like blinking something every turn. That's probably four mana. Teleportation circle, uh, Thassa's four mana, Conjurer's Closet's five mana. So if you think of it as one of those effects where you're paying a little bit more to get the flexibility of Wrathing, from mm-hmm. that perspective, I think it actually looks kind of efficient if you're a, you're a blink decker can take advantage of that effect. Also, just to clarify, right. I don't run Elspeth in every deck. I just put it in my like weenie <laughs> go wide decks. Just to throw it in there. Yeah. She's good in tokens. She still is like really good in tokens. Yeah. And, and Eternal yeah, is like, going to be solid. And like, if you're in like a kind of maybe Voltron, not even Voltron, but like something that focuses on big creatures or Blink, but we generally speak, it's going to be Blink, I think. Would right, you play but... this in your Akiri deck then? No. I don't think so. I mean, okay, making double check. strike creatures is kind of good with, co- with equipment. That's not bad. This, yeah. this is Snap going right into my Ojutai Voltron deck, right? Like, well, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah for Voltron, like, it's, it's amazing. The the, the Wrath of... for Voltron is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you get a Vigilant Ojutai, so you can play defense with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like yeah. that And idea. if you don't have Ojutai on the battlefield, but you have equipment, then you can just play a double striker, and then you can equip the equipment on that and get double combat triggers. It's, like, not bad. Yeah, like, this is good. It's a very solid Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. What is more staply, Eternal Wanderer or Elish Nord? Mother of Runes. So Seth thinks it's Wanderer? I'm, I'm st- I think Wanderer will see more. I think what I said is that Wanderer will see more play. When we look back six months or a year from now, Wanderer will be in more decks than Elish Nord. Wanderer is $6. I, and I will I, stand I, by I think, that. I, I almost now, I think I feel like I agree with Seth on that because, again... When, when I what I said earlier, I wouldn't just play Panharmonicon in any deck, right? So I really need the stack. Like I'm, I would then really have to then look at the stacks part. I obviously don't care about the Vigilant Four Seven. So uh, like this does more. This just does more, and it feels like it can go in more decks for me. And it's also nice that it's not like seventy dollars. So like, why wouldn't this just be in more decks? Why would I almost feel like this is. Definitely just more decks, and, and in the decks that can take advantage of Elishnorn, sure, she's great. But, like, Eternal Wanderer, I think, is a better overall card. I think, think Elishnorn's going to be but... more popular. <laughs> <laughs> I think I disagree with Chris. So, I think Elishnorn is the stronger card, but because it's so expensive, and because there's this moral gray area with it, 
I think it'll be less played than Eternal Wanderer. So we'll see Eternal Wanderer in much more decks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's Who's more popular? My Elish Norn must be way more popular as a character, right? The Wanderer. Yeah, no, no one cares yeah. about. Yeah, Elish Norn's pretty iconic. Yeah, they made her the face of an just... entire set. Yeah. Wanderer is the face is the, of standard. Although they made Olivia Wander- Voldera in the face of <laughs> means a lot Crimson Vow, and nobody cared about that. So I don't even know anymore. Maybe I was took a gamble. All right, Seth, what do you have for us? I have a random little uncommon, which I really think is one of the sleepers from this set that I only heard anyone talking about. And that card is Vat of Rebirth. Vat of Rebirth. It's a one-mana artifact. It says, whenever another artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on Battery Birth, and then you can pay three and tap it. Remove four oil counters from Battery Birth and reanimate a creature. Return target creature from a graveyard to the battlefield can only do as a sorcery. This is a card that I think is actually really, really strong. It's only one mana to get on the battlefield, and then it offers repeatable three-mana reanimation, which is actually pretty efficient. I know you need oil counters, but... It's very important to point out, this card does not seem non-token artifact or creature. So this means all of your treasure tokens are going to be adding counters to this. In a treasure deck, something like Prosper or Agnes, it's going to be so easy to be keeping this powered up and reanimating potentially every turn. The same is true of Sacrifice decks. If you're playing like a Korvald style deck where you're making a bunch of doors, Eloise Clue Tokens is built around combos mm-hmm. that have infinite artifacts going into the graveyard. Like you're going to have all the oil counters you could possibly need. Aristocrats decks like Yagmoth is built around like looping creatures from the graveyard, all this Sacrifice stuff. So I think index like that where you can easily support the oil counters i think this is a very playable reanimation effect also you don't have to like exile the creature it doesn't have any drawback that you like put it into play and then if it leaves the battlefield it goes to exile which is really nice compared to many of the recent versions of similar repeatable reanimation effects which are kind of like one shot you get back your thing but the risk is if that thing dies and it's gone forever so i don't think you can play it in every deck you gotta have a plan for having stuff going into the graveyard to power it up but there's some decks that do that Incidentally, just for executing their game plan, you're having four things going in out of the graveyard every turn anyway. And in those stacks, I think this card is just actually legitimately really, really good. And it's going to be super budget friendly because it's an uncommon. I mean, you sold me. Yeah, this card's this card's super <laughs> gas. In, in, in the decks that can trigger it very often, which is uh, these are Aristocrats, Treasures, Tokens. Token decks, especially. Yeah. Any kind of token deck. I think this card's really good. And then maybe you get some, like, weird oil synergies, like the Filigree Silex, you remove 10 oil counters and deal 10 damage. Like, you can get some weird synergies like that in very specific decks. But really, it's a it's a treasure slash clue slash aristocrat style card for me. I like it. Yeah. Combos with weird safe house. A plus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, how does the combo of Mirror and Safe House? It's an artifact. Oh, when so it you dies, you sack it as a uh, fetch land. <laughs> you get an oil. Three mana fetch lands. Yo. <laughs> and it's only three mana to reanimate. Combo, that's pretty, by the way. Combo. That's pretty cheap. Like, that's only one more than animate dad yeah, or yeah, whatever. The fact like, that that's, it's not that bad. So, so would you Every put this turn. in a generic deck, or do you have to have synergies? Like, you know how people just I randomly don't... put Mimic Vat in a deck that's like, for value? Well, would you do that? I mean, Mimic Vat's kind of. I do sometimes just because I like Mimic Vat. I just like Mimic Vat. It's a cool card. It feels so 2011. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. But I don't think you – the awkward part of this card, I went over the good. The bad is I don't think you can play this in, like, Reanimator, for example, even though it's a reanimation card because you're probably not going to get enough oil counters. So I don't think – or, like, a mono black, just mono black generic good stuff, devotion, whatever, a lot of blacks. I don't think you can do it. I think if you're, like, maybe using this once, it's pretty bad. I'm interested in this index where – I'm reanimating at least every other turn, and ideally every turn I'm getting four oil counters because I'm just making so many treasures and I'm making so many clues and I'm stacking so many things. So I don't think you can really play in a generic deck, even a generic reanimator deck. I don't think you – unless you have another way to get oil counters. Maybe you can proliferate them or something or have some synergy, but I don't think you can play it in just a random deck. All right, and we can finally answer the question of what motor oil do you use? (laughs) (laughs) The fluid, the fluid question is back, yes. (laughs) Let's talk fluids. All right, next up, uh, runner-up for best card of the year. (laughs) Runner-up of Forge and Frontier. (laughs) So it's a new sword. It's a new sword of X and Y, okay? It's three mana. It's an equipment at Mythic. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and green. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. Equip two. Now, we actually talked about this card on uh, the other podcast, and Seth said it was the best sword. And I mm-hmm. kind of scoffed at that. <laughs> but upon further reflection, I believe Seth is right. This hey! is actually the best sword uh, of, all, of all the swords. Of all the swords, right? Uh, so I, I think Feast and Famine has the highest ceiling, but for like an average deck, like this is where you want to be. And what really sold me is that you can play no basics with this sword. Oh, like, come you, on. You can play multiple. The problem yes. with all of the ramp is you run out of basics. Or you it's have to play too many basics. You should just run more basics. <laughs> but you're diluting your power. But now you can play all the MBFCs you want, and you the sword can actually movement. play them. You don't need right? to get the, the sword can play your Field of the Dead and everything. Like you can actually yeah. run like zero basics and ramp with this sword still. So, so I, I put it above Hearth and Home for just generic ramp. Yeah, uh, I put it as the best sword. And uh, when you start building any deck, like better now, first than you put body in Mirrored Safe House, then you put in Sword of Forge of Frontier, <laughs> and then you, you start you start your deck just, building process. Richard's just out here straight up, and Seth just straight up disrespecting yes. Body and Mind. <laughs> Wait, I'm disrespecting okay. it. Too. Body and Mind powers up Mirrored yeah, Safe yeah, House. You're all, you're it gets a little upgrade. Okay, I want to rebuild. But oh yeah, how, Cover wasn't how, around for Crim Sword opinions. No, I was there. Krim, Krim, how do you rank? How do you rank the swords, Krim? Yo, I'm, I'm a, let, what, let's have a seat. Pull up a chair into my office. Let me tell you how it goes. All right, body and mind. I, body and mind is just the auto include. That's where I start, and then you wow. go like, <laughs> and then you go into feast and famine, and then fire and ice, right? And then what, what do you have after that? Uh, uh, like like light and shadow, and then you have sword of sinew and steel. And then it's hearth and home, and then it's this, and then oh, it's gosh. war and peace. Yeah, you rank it exact opposite of how I almost exactly. I ran war and peace not yeah, being that good, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but this, like, ah, this card ah. is so good. 
I okay, think it's kind of in top over. three. I, I think it's equal of Hearth and Home, but it really depends on the deck. Like, I thought Richard would have Hearth and Home still number one because every single deck is a spirited companion deck, obviously. So, I, I, I thought about that. <laughs> every deck is a, <laughs> okay, so is a Originally, my ranking deck. was Feast and Famine, and then yeah. this was in the second tier with Hearth and Home and yeah. Fire and Ice. I think we overrate Fire and Ice due to nostalgia. I think it's actually a lot worse than what it yeah. actually is. Okay. And I think in a generic deck, this is stronger than Hearth and Home, but obviously. If you're oh. playing an Elish Norn deck or whatever, right? You put the Hearth and yeah. in, right? But the basics thing, the basics thing, you run out of basics quite frequently. So this this puts it over the top. And you got to dig too deep, right? Um, I mean, draw essentially but, draw but, two, play an additional land this turn is just very good. Like, that's just amazing. It, it, this, it card draw- is, this card is good, right? Yeah. But, like, does does the... In, in multicolor, right? In, in Not multicolor. In, in a multiplayer format... I think I've, I, I'm just valuing the color of protection more than anything else, right? Red and green are just colors I don't care about usually. Red maybe because of Blasphemous Act or whatever. But like outside of that, unless there's one brave person, I, I think I've only played my one friend who actually did lightning bolt me in the face and I did lose to that. Uh, like like, <laughs> like, uh, like the, the, the colors matter. Right, the color the, the color protection really matters. So when I start thinking about that, that's why I I rate like light and shadow highly and sinew and steel and you know like obviously uh, the Golgari colors. The the body and mind one. Okay, there's no real protection there. I just like milling, so that's more of a pet <laughs> card. But uh, in, in all seriousness, I I think that the red and green protection and like whatnot just isn't good and like it, it's I need more. I want I want to know that my stuff is good in a multicolor table. Or multiplayer like table, right? But doesn't this help? You? I think you have to deal combat damage to it. So uh, the yeah. fact that you can get around green blockers is very relevant, doesn't it? Otherwise, like the card doesn't really do that much. That's it, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It's like very bad at preventing removal. Like other swords are way better at that. But mm. green is so popular in commander. Uh, I think pro green helps guarantee you're getting in those those sword hits and drawing the cards and ramping, like Tomer was saying. You have so to get I actually around the think plant the green protection is like kind of right? sneaky, sneaky, powerful. <laughs> but then, so then we are willing to admit that maybe Richard needs to dial it back a second. <laughs> best sword, dude. Oh, best I'm, sword. I'm right there with him. I'm right there with him. Body and mind. Yeah. Yep. Sword of Cauldron, whatever doesn't count. Give me the real yeah. Sword of Cauldron, number where, where one. Tomer? Sword of Cauldron, number one. Yeah. Are we counting helms and shields? No, the Sword of X and Y's. The Sword of X yeah. and Y's. Right. I, I Give think, us your power I think, ranking. I think Feast is... Uh, I, I, I'd say Feast and Famine are probably still number one because it could, like it makes you it makes you like five plus mana every single time you hit, which is pretty insane. And then it combos very easily. So Feast and Famine, number one. Number two, probably this. And then number three is Hearth and Home. Hearth and Home, you really need to be in a deck that has blink uh, payoffs or a deck that can combo fill. Like it can combo with like Aurelia, for example, where if you blink it, you can keep taking extra combats and stuff like that. So um, yeah, yeah, I think this is number two. All right, all right, all right. All right. Meet me in the middle then, Tumor. How about fourth body in mind? Body of Mind is, just for is my 11. Body. For my birthday. It is. It is. For my yes, birthday. Is. Body of Mind is 11. I put it on as 11th. Wait, it's your birthday? 
Uh, well, it, it it was a day ago at filming. So, <laughs> happy birthday! It's still no, 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 11. no, no, no. Happy, I'll put no, it ten. Don't say happy birthday. Okay. Oh come on, tenth. That's all. I bumped it up, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's I not even it. eleven swords. I would say it's a sort of cultural. Body and mind. <laughs> body and mind's the. It's the worst one. It is the. It is the literal worst one. It's the one it that I'm actually thankful if you one. if you target me really with Yes, I'm I'm being hit me. to be targeted with a sword. <laughs> All, right. All right, see, so you draw actually no ire from the table. They even let it. Happen. No, but it doesn't. It, it's like a it's a group hug card. It's a group hug card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it's the sneaky good sword. You talk, you, you got, Richard you guys just laugh. Richard the, just tried to say sneaky like like sword, but yo, know, body and mind is the sneaky sword here. When I play against Krim, the most feared thing is, like, getting milled by him. Because, like, we usually play some weird janky five-card combo with no redundancy. And yeah. one of those, like, pieces goes in the graveyard. Your mm-hmm. whole deck is ruined. So when I play Krim, I'm like, oh, I'm sweating it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah. might mill me. That's the only time that <laughs> mill and, like, theft effects are super relevant. Like, the only time I'm sweating from a Gaunti is when I'm playing, like, Cauldre or whatever. And that, like, it so, so happens. Every single time I bring out, like, Cauldre or some stupid janky combo, Krim is like, oh, I'm playing Gong to you guys. I'm playing a theft deck. Like, I'm playing Evelyn. I'm really going out of my comfort zone, guys. And he's like, no, God. And then he targets me. I'm like, ah. Dang. All right, Tover, what do, you, what do you have next for us? Um. Oh, okay. So I have one that I believe is going to be, this is my pick. For the card that's going to see the most play. I wanted to steal this from Tomer. Yeah, this is going to be seeing the most play out of all the cards in the set in, in a year from now. This is my my choice over Elish Norn. Uh, this is another white card, actually. Uh, Clever Concealment. It's a two and double white, so four mana total instant with Convoke. And Convoke means your creatures can help cast a spell. Each creature you tap while casting the spell may uh, pays for one or one mana of that creature's color. So if you tap four creatures and at least two of them are white, you can cast this for free. Um, and any number of target non-land permanents you control phase out. So this card basically can protect your entire board, similar to a Teferi's protection effect. Um, but you can cast it fairly reliably... I would say for like two to maybe even zero mana. Four mana is a lot to keep up uh, to protect your board from stuff, but it does really protect everything. Just like at the various protection, it doesn't protect just your creatures like a flawless maneuver effect. It, it protects everything, even from exile effects. It's phasing, so it gets it. It will save you from literally any any type of effect. Teferi's Protection protects your for, uh, your life total from dying, which is a, a big step up as well, but it's always three mana. This can be essentially zero mana, and also Teferi's Protection is like $50 or whatever. This one I thought was going to be a lot cheaper, but like the pre-sale is already $10, whatever. I would put this in a lot of white decks, honestly. Uh, like I just I was just thinking about it, like, am I going to put it in like a deck that just like tap out? And sometimes, yes. Like, if I'm playing, like, Ishin, for example, and I just, like, play one or two creatures on my turn or I make a couple tokens that I didn't have, they have summoning clickings or whatever, and I tap out that way and then I pass the turn, uh, I can cast this for, like, zero to one to two mana pretty reliably. And if I'm casting this for two mana reliably, I think this card is absolutely cracked. I, th- yeah, I, I, as the kids would say, this is a uh, very cash money. This card, <laughs> <laughs> like this card, is very good. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't know, like, why you wouldn't play this, right? This is Teferi's Pro Two, right? Like they, it costs, uh, it could cost less. It could be free again, and especially this is 
because of Convoke, it really incentivizes you to be playing it in a creature deck, right? Mm -hmm. So in my humans deck, all of them have some sort of like white mana attached to them, right? That could be free. This card is so good. I would pay this every time. For two mana, I'd be happy. For anything less than, than, than three or even three on the dot, I love this thing. This is like one of the cards I also wanted to like pick for the set, so I was happy that somebody picked it because holy cow, this card is good. It saves everything this, except not this, this card is this card is good, but it is way worse than Teferi's protection. Like <laughs> it is very good. It is good for saving yourself from like removal or a farewell. It's nice and it all hits all the non-land permanents. But a decent percentage of the time when someone's casting a Teferi's protection, it's a like, oh, you're killing me. I gotta get out of here to save myself. This card isn't it can't do that. So I think this is Better than, like, the other options for saving your board from stuff. The the rootbound defense is probably better than Flawless Maneuver, even though Flawless Maneuver is, like, always free, unbreakable for uh, foundation. Like, I think it's an upgrade over those cards, but I do think it's, like, a tier or two below the, like, you know, S-plus Teferi's protection, just because it isn't the, like, get out of jail free, I'm dying right now, but just kidding, I'm not going to die type thing. It's not a so get out of jail free for sure, but like to be a tier or two below like Teferi's Pro is very good. Oh, right? it's still like a very that, good card. Like that would still make yeah. it like an A tier card or whatever. So I still think it's like very good, but yeah. yeah. I don't Teferi's think it's Teferi's protection is like obnoxious level, and this one is like a yeah. step below obnoxious. It's like it's just very good. Like <laughs> also, like Correct. little I know we're not Cash we're not money. a finance cast, yeah. but like if you get the Boros Commander precon, you get this card and Flawless Maneuver along with a bunch of other stuff. So yeah. it seems like that precon might be worth picking up because it has some actually very good and pretty valuable cards. And it has some equipment, I think. It does. Love equipment. I'm, I'm not as yeah, high yeah, on yeah. this card as you guys. As the... <laughs> oh, what? I, would not, I would not call it a Teferi's protection. I would call it not, a slightly but better flawless maneuver right like there's a tra it's a trade-off of flawless maneuver and like you don't jam flawless maneuver in every deck you jam teferi's protection in every deck right and yeah. the problem yeah. is you don't have unlimited deck slots right so you put in teferi's pro and then what <laughs> right like do you put, put this in, thing this. in as a backup and then a chroma's will and then this <laughs> well the, the like, difference between this and flawless is flawless doesn't protect your not your non-creature cards yeah it, it doesn't protect your non-creatures and, and then only you get exiled still right so yes, then you get exiled you. still yeah so like yeah so although this is gonna be free but this one like imagine you just like cast a couple birds and you pass and then suddenly somebody tries to wipe your board of everything. You're, you're Biden of Athasa, the bird staple. And then you're just like, boom, I tap my birds. I cast this for two mana or even one mana, maybe. Ooh. Or free. Or free. I, mean, I think the best thing to do with this is just phase out your creatures right at the board. Like sorcery yeah. speed. Yeah, sure. Right? Probably. Like, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't play that much flawless maneuver. So to me, it's like you put into Fairy's Pro and then your other slots need to be. Like, you know, Generous Gift or something, right? Or Dawn Charm or something, right? Like, you can't just put in all Teferi's pros, right? And this is not Teferi's pro. So, <laughs> That's I don't what know. you think, buddy. It, it, it's good, but I don't think it's, like, that crazy of a card. In a crim what? meta, I would always jam, like, at least three board wipe protections. <laughs> yeah. In a crim meta, I would also play. Like, my whole humans deck is... I. When you are the board wiping person, you when you play the aggro deck, you psych yourself out. So it's like, hmm, <laughs> what if they also play thirty two board wipes? Well, I'm ready. So I, I I don't know. This is this is so good. 
I just don't see how I, this isn't like a staple. And it's just funny to me that in the year 2023, it's indestructible. Oh, well, you know, indestructible doesn't mean that much anymore. It's like whatever. Yeah. So like, like it's, <laughs> it's an arms to me. race between board yeah. likes and board production. Like, oh, everything has indestructible now thanks to heroic intervention and Boros charm and stuff. All right, farewell. It exiles. Oh, farewell is too good. Well, let's just phase out, and then the next step is going to be like everything phases in split second. Everything phases in. Exile all permanents. Like that's gonna be the, that's gonna be twenty twenty four's board wipe. Like, and you get to make the like like I like gouging like just like cringe joke of. I guess it wasn't a phase, or it was a phase, mom. No. <laughs> I'm waiting for the nothing can phase in <laughs> this turn yeah. card. <laughs> that, that's what that's what's going to stop. There's a disciple they, they of Kayla's thing, but that's too tame. We kind of got one. Yeah, it's really bad. I, I think it needs to be better. You need right, to have that flash. It has to be three mana. It has to ETB draw card. Hire me, wizards. <laughs> it has the Panermonicon as well. Yeah. <laughs> What do you have next for us? <laughs> well, I have a card that I don't see anybody talking about. Uh, but if you are talking about out there, listeners, I tip my cloak to you, I guess. Um, all right. It's Zenith Chronicler, a two-mana artifact. 3-1. It's a creature. Uh, whenever a player casts their first multicolored spell each turn, each other player draws a card. This card is sweet, right? Like, I mean, okay. If a player casts their first multicolored spell on each turn, this includes, you know, turns that aren't theirs, everyone else draws the card. I, everyone plays multicolored things. Okay, Richard on Mono White will benefit from this the most, but, like, <laughs> outside of that, like, everyone plays multicolored. Like, I, I I included, you know, play Grixis all the time. Seth literally plays five color every other day. So, so I, like, like, there's... And then Tomer plays lots of multicolored. This is just going to draw a lot of cards around the table, and it pairs perfectly with my Notion Thief. So I'm really excited. That makes sense. I, I, I was thinking like Tomer it's loves pretty... group hug. So... I do not like group yeah. hug. I am not running this Tomer, card. Group hug guy Tomer what number one. This is like, <laughs> like what is this what is this card good for? Group hug and like notion thief decks. Both decks that I do not I do not enjoy. This is they, not those scream Tomer. And on top of that, you, okay, but you do love artifact decks. You actually I, do like artifact decks, and I don't see why you wouldn't want to draw from everyone else's multicolored nonsense. Because my opponents are also draw drawing <laughs> off it. Yeah, but that's fine. Your deck's gonna win anyways because you're a combo deck, right? Like so, like I don't know. I like I like uh, every I artifact deck's a combo deck. I, every artifact I is just, a combo deck. I was just looking through some of my five color decks and like they don't play that many two color cards or three color multicolor cards. Like a lot of them are just playing like monocolor cards of a bunch of different colors. I don't know. Like I like this card, but I don't know if I'd play it outside of group hug. I feel like it's one of those even when it tr- you play the card, your opponent plays a multicolor card, you get a card, but two other opponents get a card. Yeah. It's a pretty like group huggy play pattern where like you're playing the card and it's benefiting everyone just as much as it's benefiting you your opponents are benefiting and, less but there's still two like there's still four uh, three opponents and one of you so you're still giving your opponents more cards than you're getting so i don't know this I is mean, good fun to me if, if you're if you're going over like yeah like if you calculate how many like cards in total you're giving out to the table mm-hmm 
this that means you're milling, right? So, yeah, like, but then like if you pair it with notion <laughs> thieves, then you get to <laughs> all the cards. I got it. Okay, I got but, a cram. Okay, I see it, where you're like, going with this. No, but like legitimately, you are making the table draw more cards. They will draw out. You see, like so, this. So, I'm this looking at fun. EDH rec at their top staples just to see. So, Assassin's Trophy is a multicolored card that sees a lot of play. Uh, does ignoble hierarchy count? Like, if you're multicolored no, identity, no. but no. So it actually has to be okay. So. Boros Charm, Anguish Unmaking. Yep, yep. Dovin's Veto, Rhythm of Wild, Growth Spiral, Terminate. Terminate. Lo- they're they're kind of like, like situational. Team Air Ascendancy. Like a lot of these are just like removal or situational cards. And there's not that many. Like where. So even though there are a lot of multicolor decks, most people play like single color spells. So I actually don't know how often this would just trigger in like a random. You see, oh, then, Void Rent is here though. You see Void Rent people out there, the Void Rent, they're, they're, they're on Flavor Town. They're in Flavor Town if they're playing Void Rent. They know what's up. You know what? <laughs> it, it could be meta-dependent, right? Because a lot of the friends I do play with, we do play a lot of the multicolored cards, right? Because why? The the Ravnica cards are cool and things like that. So I, I don't know. I just don't see why I wouldn't let this sit there and just gather a bunch of people cards Connect a few times with okay. Sword of Body what, what and What if you mind? just play Howling Mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, we you see, Richard. <laughs> I had a copy and it did play Howling Mind. <laughs> you know what? There's there's a card that I actually think you would love. I think it was like Storyteller or something. It's a uh, yes, yes, Heartwood Storyteller. Let me tell you, Krim. This is the card you've been you've been dying for. If you like this one, it's also three mana. It's a two three creature. It's a tree folk. This is two mana. And w- Oh, well, this is even better, though. Look at the triggered ability here. Whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, each of that player's opponents may draw a card. That's a lot, oh, of, that's a lot of triggers. People <laughs> cast non-creature spells all the time. All the time. Someone... It's, it's just a green, but it's green. <laughs> so you set the wrong green. Yeah, You're in the right. Wh- what would I do with a green card? Why would I even own that? <laughs> this is what you want, though. You're looking at yeah, Zenith Chronicler, and well, I'm you telling you, this Richard is Richard the... said the, the artifact thingy for ramp in colors that aren't green. Well, let me tell you then. This now means other colors that aren't green have that effect. And most importantly, I think the artwork's cute. You can go so Simic, though. You can go no. Sultai. Your no. favorite. Look, Sultai is like like the one blue-black variant that I'm like, uh, I guess, <laughs> that, that I, I will play. But like... This card, just an exciting, fun card for me. I, I like right. it. It looks cute. And it, it's like a an adorable little, like, octopus, but Phyrexian form. It's cute, <laughs> right? <laughs> Have you seen the artwork for one of the cards? I forgot. It's it's a three-mana thingy, uh, uh, Annex Sentry, and it's like playing with something that looks like this. It's like a Phyrexian cat. <laughs> I mean, Which I'll give you exists, that. I found it's out. a Phyrexian it construct. Is a cute card. We have lots of constructs. Yeah, but this construct is so cute. And look at it. It's adorable. It's like Wally. Yeah. Just, just don't get the it's anime group version. Group hug. It's Yo, they give me an anime tomorrow. version of this. I'm on board. I'm, 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 I'm a have oh, did. Oh, Wally Halter. It, that it, would be it sick. can wear a sort of body and mind very well. I'll give oh, you that, it, dude. It becomes a five-three. Don't do not laugh at a five-three. It's gonna swing on you and make you draw cards. <laughs> all right, okay. Seth, you what do you have for us? You know, get us all away right. from this anime. We, 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 we got, we got maybe the <laughs> the most ridiculous card from the set. This How is, is the card that ridiculous. The card is. Sick. I don't. 
I don't know if I've ever played this card, but wow, does it do things. And that is Ickermoon Gauntlet. It's a three-mana artifact that says, Planeswalkers you control have zero pl- proliferate and negative 12 take an extra turn after this one. And as a bonus, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you choose a counter on target permanent, and you add an additional counter of that kind to that permanent. So this is, on level one, pretty obviously an absurd Super Friends card. Like, in a Super Friends deck, this does everything you want. As you're casting your spells, you get to add more loyalty counters to your Planeswalkers, and then giving your Planeswalkers zero proliferate is really, really strong because it essentially is plus one, but it's like plus one for all your Planeswalkers because you get to add a loyalty counter to all of your Planeswalkers and anything else. And then if you get enough Planeswalkers, this kind of just wins the game because you can uh, proliferate the plus one on a bunch of them and then get to 12 loyalty on one and take an extra turn and then do the same thing, do the proliferate with a bunch of them and take an extra turn. So you kind of get infinite turns or at least a bunch of turns in a row. Uh, So I think this card is just absolutely ridiculous maybe the best super friends support card that has ever been printed i think there's also like other jank potential if you really care about putting charge counters on things or whatever Mm -hmm. the last Mm -hmm. mode is actually like kind of nice or even a plus one plus one counter deck there's some other like fun potentials there but i think the the most obvious home is going to be in super friends where this card is just ridiculous i I think this card's really gas I just I, I, so cool. I despise Super Friends, so I'm just it's fine. Yeah, same. It's I, fine. I, I That's probably friends. why I won't play it. Is I, I ran into this when I went to SCG New Jersey a little while ago, <laughs> and I was playing the attraction deck, and I'd get like ten attractions yeah. open, and I'd have to roll and like resolve all of them, and I started to feel bad about like playing my deck because it would just take so long. Super Friends has a little bit of that same problem where you have like all these permanents have all these abilities, and now they each get two extra abilities thanks to Iker Moon Gauntlet, and for each one you got to think like which of these five abilities should I be activating, and then you move on to the next one so i don't know if i'd actually build a super friends deck just because i don't want to sit there and have to play it in paper with how long it takes but if i did this yeah. would be the first not first non planeswalker i'd add in for sure I, mean, I don't think it's going to make it's going to make or break super friends like they're gonna it, it's just it's just follows the same play pattern so like okay you put on the gauntlet and you have like six or so planeswalkers you you can win the game it's fine and if you're taking a long time then i get to go to the bathroom and stuff and you'll just like <laughs> You'll 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 text me once once you've reached uh, a, a, a climax of some sort. Wow! I don't know. Wow! 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 You think I just sit around, Homer? <laughs> wow, that feels very targeted. First off, because I don't have a Super Friends deck for <laughs> sure. And second off, if I did, it would be Amanatu, and I would say this card is awesome, and and, I, and that is exactly how it goes. Give me a half an hour, everybody. I'm activating things, and I'm activating them again. Which one did I activate? Keep track with me. I don't care. <laughs> like, I trust you. So one I'm dead. Add two more modes to confuse my thought process even more. I'm going to play some Marvel Snap. Tell me when I'm yeah, dead, Krim, all right? You would, get, like, you would probably hit infinity rank before I, I'm done with my turn, to be honest with you. Like... I I will I, I will be very honest here. This card is very very obviously meant for super friends, mm-hmm. but and it, it goes off in fifty different ways. But so Seth, do you like it? Like that's the given, right? But do we like it just as a proliferate card? So 
I think it's interesting. I'm excited for it in a charge counter deck. That's the other place I'm really hyped for it. Like adding counters to Lux Cannon or trying to win with Dark Steel Reactor, or it seems kind of easy to take infinite turns with Magistrate Scepter. Like Stop, you only need that out there. three counters on it and you're able to take tap it to take an extra turn, which that's only two non-creature spells in a world of cantrips and like card draw. That seems pretty easy to not take like deterministically infinite turns, but enough turns that you should be able to win the game. So I think there's enough shenanigans in other decks that I would consider playing it. I don't think, like, adding a plus one, plus one counter isn't super intriguing to me. Like, I don't know if that's enough or, like, another negative one, negative one counter. But in some sort of, like, charge counter proliferate deck, I would definitely consider that as well, where I think just, like, the the last mode could be a standalone card. Like, even without the Planeswalker mode, just that, that last effect is good enough that I would play a card that just had that text on it in some decks. See, because I, I was curious about that, you know, I... I, I... Don't know if I like it enough for the second part, but that's because the second part, all the counters, like you had mentioned, are charge counters, and those are kind of fringe, right? This card yeah. is very good. Like, like it's funny is how bad this is outside of like any sixty, like outside of the sixty card, or how bad it is in sixty card formats. Um, but yes, this card, I do like it a lot. It's one of the cards I wanted to talk about because I think as a design space, I think this is really cool. Just something that gives a blanket like, hey, all your Planeswalkers have other abilities that they could do. I hope they continue to do this as a, you know, Super Friends fanboy 69420, uh, my other handle on Moto. Uh, <laughs> like, th- this this is, th- it's just cool f- design space. I really like that. It just adds more to a Planeswalker. So... I like this card a lot. I don't know if it's actually good. I don't think it's good outside of Super Friends. It's too fringe, right? It's too narrow, is it? Well, it's not proliferate. I mean, it's put an additional yeah. counter on If you pay two yeah, more mana, me. then you get an Exorable Tide, which is a five mana blue enchantment that says whenever you cast right. a spell, proliferate. Which is going to be what? way stronger than this in a in a deck that cares about proliferating. But like, if you only care about... Chart, like putting counters on one thing like if you have a if you have a commander for example that really cares about getting like one very specific uh counter on it and it, it really pays off i guess then that's that's that could be worthwhile but Does like i think it's like really good friends if being, or whatever right yeah people are not permanence right not permanence yeah <laughs> so it doesn't work like you can't add poison counters either so i think that's intentionally worded uh worded that way uh, well, i think the it's most bounce? abilities on a planeswalker we have like mm. five so with this and like like Urza, right? Lore oh, oh, the backside yeah. of Urza. Oh. This would be seven. <laughs> and then there's that. Oh, wait, isn't there a, a Kiora or something that adds abilities? What was a Simic Planeswalker oh, that gives the, us the, Planeswalker abilities? Because yeah. Mina, yeah. So you could probably get like ten. 10 abilities, and on then you could turn them into so dragons cool. of Sarkon. <laughs> you, you know yeah. what's not a, Jace, the Jace that like clones himself. Now oh, he can just when keep he lost and proliferating, yeah. and then take yes. extra turns. Yes, that's yes. Cool. we finally made oh, that's the card. We finally broke the super friends. <laughs> I think this I card is it. cool, and I don't think it's like b- broken or anything. I think it's like a, a cool card, well designed. It's just that I get tired, and then I, I, if you if you have like six or so planeswalkers on the battlefield, it'll take a long time. But like you've assembled six planeswalkers, so like, I think you deserve yeah. to win. That, so hopefully that you can speed it up and text feat. me when you're done. In, in in commander because every never, nobody ever lets you keep one so yeah you i know like if you one. have like five or so things where where this becomes a very scary threat that's gonna like alter or whatever then yeah you you got it you deserve it <laughs> like it's fine <laughs> i i do want to point out one more thing i don't know if it's just me and like because it's obviously anecdotal or could be i think there's a marvel effect now 
everything is a gauntlet. There's a bunch of things that just look like infinity stones around the arcane it. signet. The, yeah, the arcane <laughs> signet. From dude, is this not the Marvel effect though? Like arcane signet promo. Look that up. Is that okay? I mean, nobody from Wizards is gonna say yeah, dude. That is because obviously that's a different thing. But like, that's the infinity gauntlet, dude. Everything yeah. is the Infinity Gauntlet. Everything's a cube. Every like Marvel has now just made things that just are like not a direct copy, but like at least adjacent to Success Marvel. Success by association. <laughs> remember this cool thing you like, fellow yeah, kids. Well, remember it again, but in yeah. this universe. Yeah. Stop tiptoeing around the Marvel secret layer. Darn it! Give me it. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. I have a card, which I don't think is particularly good, but it's funny. Phyrexian Vindicator. White, 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 white. So four mana value, five, five. Creature Phyrexian Horror at Mythic Flying. If damage would be dealt to Phyrexian Vindicator, prevent that damage. When damage is prevented this way, Phyrexian Vindicator deals that much damage to any other target. Uh, the pre-sale price is pretty high. People think this has potential for some reason. Uh, I think it's funny to blasphemous act and like shoot someone, like yeah. all the stuffy, you know, the stuffy doll combos. But there are cards that also redirect all damage to a creature, uh, so you can kind of gain immortality by like siphoning all the damage into this thing and shooting it. And the key difference between this and Obliterator is Obliterator dies. This thing just keeps living. Uh, so, you know, you actually prevent the damage and you get shoot people back. Is it good? No. Uh, it's funny. It's a four mana five five flying. Uh, the art looks like an ad for a mobile game. Uh, <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> New hero. I think it's good. It's just like, it, it it's another four white hunter. tips for Nyctos. Yeah. I, I mean, it is a heavy color. It is a heavy color requirement, so that's yeah. that's one of the challenges compared to like a Brash Tauner or a Spite Mare or a Boros Dragoner. Like four white is a lot, but I love cards like this. I love stuffy doll Brash Tauner style decks. I love the synergies. You got a bunch of different combos. You mentioned the Blasphemous Act. You put Guilty Conscience on it. Put Pariah on it. So all the damage itself to you goes to it and goes to something else. There's a, there's a ton of synergies here, so I like it. I, I mean, think it's cool. Fine. It's not busted. I think it people know exactly what you're going to do of. if you cast it, right? Like you're like you're not playing it fairly. You're going to be comboing with it. So like I see it as a combo piece. You put it on the battlefield. Yeah. I'm going to assume you're going to try I just combo with a it. Blocker for I don't, believe, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good blocker, is it not? It like it does block for days. You put it on the battlefield, <laughs> and it's a very good blocker. It's so good. Put a sort of body and mind on that. Oh, dude. That's why I hate combo players. They ruin everything. I just want to play it fairly. <laughs> I don't want this. I'm going to combo off with it. They're going to murder it. I'm like, I just wanted to block and take no damage. I'm sorry I just want to end the game, Richard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Everyone is going to think you're going to combo with look, it. Look like, at the arm on this thing. It's like a wrong or something. Though. I don't know what's going on. But, Stop like, the stigmatizing combo players. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about, association. Phyrexian Vindicator looks like he's aggressively pointing at you. We're going to a crab boil. That's Wait, that's like. his arm? That big spiky is thing is his arm? It's I don't know. I, I thought. Yeah. Wow. Is it a, that's, it looks that's like okay. it's attached. The, the theme of, of uh, Phyrex, white Phyrexia are teeth and teeth hands. Everything's teeth. <laughs> so their hands are teeth. Believe it or not, not... their feet are also teeth. Uh, their Yo, teeth wow. are teeth. I can't tell if Tover is joking or he's serious. No, look at look at the look at every white Phyrexian in this set. It's just teeth. 
It's like somebody has a phobia of the dentist, and that's it's not it's not teeth, Tomer. I don't know why why you're telling people that. There's teeth everywhere. No, like white Phyrexian is just all one gigantic is it cake meme because everything looks like red velvet cake. Like like (laughs) everything in white Phyrexian is just red velvet cake, or is it? But is it is it is it cake or teeth? That's the that's the thing. When you open it up, you just see teeth. I see red velvet cake. That's all I see in everything. Like, I'm hungry when I look. This sounds weird, but when I look at all of the white Phyrexian cards, Phyrexian Vindicator, why do I think of food? He's aggressively telling you, let's go get red velvet cake. Do you like, like red you know, velvet cake? Mondrag, you want a double red velvet cake? Like, this is all just red velvet cake. I mean, if that if that's what they mean by completion, it means come to our cake party, then sign me up. I'm I'm here, right? Like, dude, yeah, I'm Alex here. Norn, I want to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> they all, all right. just dress like they're in red velvet cake. Tomer, what do you have for us? <laughs> all right. Uh, I, apparently, I just really like aggro these now. I, I went from the, the value train to the aggro train, and I just, I like, I, the, the, the cards that excite me these days are aggro. So this is a new one for token decks. Roar of Resistance. This is one in a red for an enchantment that says, Creature tokens you control have haste, and whenever one or more creatures attack, you may pay two mana, one in a red. If you do, creatures attacking your opponents and or planeswalkers they control get plus two plus O until end of turn. This is the best, one of the best anthems, I think, for a red token deck. Um, For giving your creatures haste, it's typically a three mana effect. You're thinking like fervor, rhythm of the wild and similar. Uh, The only exception to this is like anger, but it needs to be in the graveyard. So that's a special exception. Uh, This is two mana for that effect. And it not just gives your creature tokens haste, but it also acts as a very powerful anthem effect. For two mana, you're pumping up all your creatures for plus two plus oh, which is a sizable amount. It's not nothing. And it can also be used on your opponent's creatures. If your opponents are attacking, you can actually offer them a deal. Like, hey, if you're not attacking me, I can pump up your creatures. And you can work out, you can work together to basically deal more damage to your opponent's creatures if you have extra mana laying around. So the fact that it does both for uh, two mana is ridiculously good value and it's going to make it a very powerful in basically any ready to- red token deck. I'm just going to jam this in because it's just really good at haste and then it has extra bonus on top, which is a, a fantastic anthem. I think it's even a little better than you said because that last mode, it only pumps things that are attacking your opponents, right? So even if, oh, like, yeah. if I swung out at you and Richard... You could still pump. Richard would take more damage, but mm. you wouldn't take any more damage. So I really like that aspect. It reminds me, like, the token part, sure, whatever. It's good in a token deck. That last mode, uh, we've seen, like, Crown of Doom, <clears throat> which goes around the table and gives stuff oh, attacking okay. the person who has it, plus two, plus zero, deal a lot of damage. We've seen Duelist Heritage, the double strike enchantment that you can trigger on your opponent's turn and give one of their creatures double strike. We've seen that take people out as well. I'm very intrigued by, like... How much damage this offers for two mana using it on your opponent's creatures? Like, even outside of the token thing, just having this sit out as a political tool, that's a lot of damage. Two mana for plus two plus oh for the entire team, that's just going to take people out. So I think this card is has potential to be very strong. Yeah, this seems really cool. I, I It's so cheap. Like, yeah. I'm talking, like, it's, I just love that about it. And, uh, I don't know it, it. The aggro parts of it, I you know, 
I know you wouldn't believe this, but I enjoy aggro, right? <laughs> I enjoy aggro because uh, I, I, I draw it from players and the board state, you know? So, like, it's, I love aggro. I'm the true. I'm actually the most aggro player. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, I do think that I, I like this. This gives me just more ways to close out games and for, su- like, super cheap. The, the big concern I always have with these kind of effects is, like, it costs a lot of mana, uh, and, and it's kind of annoying to, to play with because it costs so much. But this is cool, and it gives me haste ready. It does something passively. I like that. My tokens, that is. But, yeah. Why Can you play it outside so of tokens? Good? Yeah. Like, Yes. Would you? I feel like yes. This, I feel like, like you can. This is this yeah. is fire breathing for your whole team, right? For two mana, you get two plus mana. two plus zero for like your whole team. So uh, if you untap with this, you you sink eight mana into this. Everything just got plus eight plus zero. No, if you, play no, no, no. you can only do it once. No? Oh, yeah, once per one. Yeah, once per. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's not fire anymore. Oh what? <laughs> I Go think this card's bad. I was like, is it this card like insane? Like you just put oh. a ten mana. Yeah, plus wait a minute. Eight plus eight, like what? Oh, so you, you can only activate once? it once. Yeah. You can give plus two plus zero. You choose. Would you like to give plus two plus zero by paying two mana? Mm. It triggers. Okay, that, that, it triggers, and you pay your no pay. As, uh, what? Well, as, as the most aggro related player, <laughs> I'm gonna have to give this five thumbs down. I'm wow. This is an include in any any red token deck. I'm putting. I'm jamming this in any red token deck. What I do mean, you mean? If you really need haste on your tokens, I guess, right? Yeah, but you do. The effect isn't. Too Dude, they, the, the, the pumping effect is the icing on the red velvet cake, all right? <laughs> you gotta have some icing, but you need to have a firm base. Red velvet cake? Somebody say red velvet cake? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I guess probably less good outside of token decks using yeah. it once a turn. I still kind of like just like the political aspects, though. Like, once around the table, like, that's a, so much damage if so you use the, it every turn. The problem with this is. People are not dumb. They know you're just getting them to kill each other. So they're like, ah, we'll just kill him. Right? So like, it doesn't work as nicely as you think it does because it requires like consistent cooperation, right? It's not. I guess like you can alpha strike someone, right? But I mean, if, but I if you're putting this, it in the token like, deck, you're going to be using it primarily. Like that's the primary yeah. purposes. I want to get. I want to pump my own creatures and make a lethal attack. But the fact that you can use it with your opponents yeah. is like that. The icing on the red velvet. the On white Phyrexian cake. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fully. All right. Roar of resistance. All right. Uh, Krim, round I'll us up. I'll take us home. I'll take us home, home with take another home, banger Krim. that outside of Zenith Chronicler. <laughs> Staff of Completion. This card is cool. Uh, this is another fun mm-hmm. one. Uh, it, it's a three mana artifact. It's got four modes: pay one life, destroy target permanent you own. This means your own land if you want. Um, pay, pay two life, add one man of any color. Pay three life, proliferate. Pay four life, draw a card. Pay five mana, untap the staff of completion. So, I don't think this is like a universal card. But again, this is just a card I'm hyped on because A, it looks like the Skolomance staff from World of Warcraft. Second off, uh, like, <laughs> Tomer, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? From from Skolomance? Like, the, 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 the original, like, like 60-person dungeon? Okay. Uh, not 60, that's, uh, not a, that's not a term I've heard for many years. I feel yes, like the Titanic exactly. tap, <laughs> tap into your old gamer mind with me uh, here. 
And on top of that, it's just it does like some cool things. Like I love the paying life because I have a life swap, life lowering deck. You know, like a, a self punching deck. And on top of that, being able to pay three life to just proliferate. As more counters are just getting placed throughout magic and stuff like that, I can just pay three to do that. At its floor, I get to just make it a mana rock that hurts me a little. That, But, you know, whatever, it's still a three mana mana rock. And then it can draw me a card for four, which is a lot nicer than a 20 life format. Um, uh, so uh, being able to – greatness at any cost, and I truly believe that. So I would pay four to draw a card. I don't know. This is just like a really versatile, nice mana rock. Seth, you love drawing cards. Tomer, you, you don't. This 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 is like better Hedron Archive, right? <laughs> I I like this card a lot. Although, I, so I'm a big supporter of three mana mana rocks with upside. Two life does scare me. So I I, I think where I'm at with this card Seth, right now don't, is don't 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 do that. You you literally I, put 39 I, life I, on the line for Wheel of Misfortune. <laughs> like, I, think, I don't yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Two life for a mana, only one mana. So, no, that's not that the card's bad. I think the card's very good. I think I need to have a specific plan for it, though. Like, Mm. I don't think I just throw it in any deck as a mana rock, as a three-mana mana rock. I think the life cost is a little too much for me to just be like, like the Celestis. I will jam the Celestis in literally any deck. I think it's good enough, and I'll play it. I don't think I'll do that with staff of completion. I think I need to have a plan for, like, the proliferating, or the first mode has some, like, Mm. weird upside because it's a permanent you own rather than one that you control. So this gets, uh, kill stuff that your opponents steal from you. Also, especially good with, like, some... Demonic Pact, Beamtown Bullies, <laughs> like, you can give your opponent something with Beamtown Bullies, and then after Arch- it wrecks uh, them with the level or whatever, then you kill it and get it back in your graveyard to do it again. So, I don't know, is there any, is there any way you can just play, like, how big of a cost is two life? Richard, can I play this as a three-mana mana rock, or am I just gonna kill just, myself? Just let it be known, though, like, Seth, you just, hold on, this card... <laughs> Again, I thought you wanted to draw a draw cards, dude. Four I life, did, but, oh. <laughs> four cards on a mana rock that doesn't sack itself. <laughs> Seth would if Seth Seth would say yes if it was. If just I did play him, this, I will this. kill myself. Like that's a problem. <laughs> if you do, so, if you sneak this into my deck, I will activate it and die. <laughs> I think, but, but I have to try to avoid that. I think. So outside of temptation for blowing yourself up, like. As a mana rock, is this not just solid? Like I pay two life, yes, or each time I want to add mana. But it's it's that's like a it's like saying it's a mana list solid three mana taps for any color and that's it. Is that solid? I mean, that mana lasts better if you're just using that. I I think three life tap proliferate is very intriguing. Like yeah. if you have synergies for that, that's totally worth it. I think the first mode is interesting. Ah, maybe if I'm a life gain deck, if I'm gaining enough life, or if I'm a life swap deck, like Grim said, where I'm trying to lower my life total, then I think I'm very happy with this. But if I'm just, like, building my commander clash deck for the week, looking at my mana rocks, I don't know if I'd throw it in, just because I I think I would kill myself with it, like, very often. This is not a real mana rock, okay? Like, if you want a mana rock, you play Worn Power Stone, okay? You (laughs) actually get some mana going. draw cards. (laughs) But... If you just want to draw cards, or, play painful truths or something, right? Like, like actually do the thing. This, this is too this much damage. You use it like both. four times. Like, like you Why still have it? forty life. It's still a limited resource, right? Like, yes, you have some leeway, but you can't just be like throwing away eight mana using your or eight life using your mana rock and then drawing a card. You're like down twelve already. Like it's. <laughs> 
It's far too inefficient for it what it does. It adds up. I think whoa, you need whoa, to whoa, actually whoa, whoa, combo. Whoa. Like, you can untap it somehow, right? And do something. I don't know what you would do. Or you need to use its abilities beyond add a mana and draw a card. So that, that proliferate and that destroy needs to actually have some synergies where you're willing to pay life to do that. But I wouldn't pay three mana and four life to draw a card. That's that's ridiculous. Why would you do this? Really? This looks like a oh, combo man. card. I wouldn't really run it outside of that. Or maybe I'd run it in my Selenia Dark Angel life swap deck but even then it's like very slow i guess it's no <laughs> i guess it is like, just like it's just like a mana rock with upside then it's like a three yeah. mana rock with upside which is like okay your mana rock should cost two I'm, i know if, what are we if, talking if about if you here? don't if you no well, you hey mr mirren safe house three all right mana. Three three mana mana rock. Rock. that's a land there's a big <laughs> difference oh wait we don't like we want three mana lands now? That's a interesting... I want my three, three mana ramping growth. It's called Kodama's Reach. Cultivate gets you uh, one in the hand as well. Yes, not just one on the battlefield. But we're not all if, blessed to be green. Yeah. If, if you are fine with losing life, this card's great. Like, it's great. Sure. Like, if I'm playing Selenia or, like, a Death Shadow deck or something... Easy, like totally worth it, even but at three. Total is it too is, slow is okay. then? If you're like a dedicated life loss deck, like don't you need to lose life at a faster clip than this? Like, is it? No, but I mean, you don't. Are you going to play a mana rock in that deck? Like, uh, this is replacing your mana lith or whatever. Like, whatever other mana rock. Or Skyblade Relic, right? Yeah. yeah. Still, even then, it's just like you either, play either draw over. a card or you make one mana. Like, this is not right. like a black market connections oh. or whatever, which is, like, ridiculously good. You can sure. pay five to untap it. Why is it <laughs> yeah. so much? And Why is it both. five? Shouldn't it be, yeah, like, well, I don't know, It like seems two? extremely safe. Like, they were thinking of something, and they're like, we got to nerf this card. We can't let it combo. Woe is us if we have another Staff of Domination uh, in, the, in the format. I, I wonder if it was life originally. That would make sense. If it was five life to untap. Oh, then it would be busted. Then you could really do... Would it? It would be like nine life to draw a card and untap it. That's well, if cool. your idea is to do life swap or whatever, and then you're yeah. just like three mana, put this I on guess the battlefield, be... got myself all the way down, and have the mana to combo. Yeah, I guess that's true. Hmm. So how are you going to play it, Grim? This was on your list. Are you just going to run it in like any deck, or is it more of a specific plan card? I mean, yeah, like it's going in my demons deck, my Bal Balakus, whatever Thar deck, because it's demons, Grixis demons, with of course the life swap like uh, uh, mm -hmm. sub theme. So I love it in that. And then I kind of thought about it, it's like, is this not just a fun mana rock to have because I get to just then draw a card for four life? I mean, yeah, like it's painful. <laughs> it's painful, but like four just... life and three mana. I like I like where your head's at. I just can't trust myself, Grim. I know how this ends. I thought we liked I, incidental life game. This is like the opposite incidental life game. Incidental this is just life random loss. life loss. <laughs> Why not? I mean, if you're life like, swapping, I get it. I want I you to it. think about this. My mana base also has an ancient tomb, so like one turn you're going to see me at 40, and then in a turn cycle I'm going to be at like 20. Ancient tomb is gas, though. It is gas. It is gas, but so is this card. I don't know. Oh. I don't know if this is like a... a, a a generic three mana like mana rock but i i think i would try it here and there just because like the all the modes seem kind of fun right and something that you can do uh like like and have you know a, a widespread across the deck uh like uh different decks however life loss is the main home for it and that's why yeah. i'm so excited for it and the oil slick version is going to be perfect and the art mm. really it's the artwork that draws me to it as well so i i kind of just love it it looks cool 
and it's perfect for my life loss deck. All right. So that does it. We have 12 of our favorite Phyrexia all-will-be-one cards. Uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, what are your favorite cards? What are you excited to brew? I'm looking at our list. We have like 30 cards on it. We had to cut a whole bunch of cards. So the That's set is ridiculous. definitely packed uh, with cards made for Commander or playable in Commander. Uh, so let us know in the comments. And uh, we'll see you back next week. See you, everyone.